This is Market Insights, the Market Pulse podcast by Oanda. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast here. It is, of course, the Market Insights Market Pulse podcast. I am Trader Nick, and I am, of course, joined by Ed Moya, Senior Market Analyst at Oanda. Hey, Ed, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thank you. Good to be back on for another episode, of course, talking markets with you. One thing here that I'd like to clarify to people who are listening, it's always nice to kind of get this balance between Ed, who has been doing this a lot longer than myself. And sometimes I try and bring in some of the questions that perhaps some of the newer listeners are, of course, uh, interested in. We have something that is very interesting to talk about. That's China. Uh, China, we talked about it a little bit in our last podcast episode. Uh, Chinese data slowdown uh, is an incredibly meaningful thing to uh, global financial markets due to the fact that, again, uh, there's such a core component to exports and the consuming uh, of raw materials globally. Uh, And of course, they stimulate or don't stimulate a massive component to the global trade world. Um, Ed, I want to ask you a little bit about the update uh, on the the uh, Chinese data that we've we've got this week and how it's impacting markets. Uh, one thing that, of course, I'm kind of mostly interested in personally is I, I track closely uh, what the metals market is doing. And right now, we see gold continues to drift lower uh, recently. And and I should clarify, I'm talking about gold spot price, which actually broke underneath 1900. Uh, per ounce here, which is actually a pretty substantial uh, thing considering it's really struggled at that level to find uh, sellers. Buyers have been pretty strong there. And and do you think, Ed, that that recent push lower uh, could be coming off of the, the Chinese situation? Uh, I know also, of course, we've got the Federal Reserve to to talk about kind of where they're at. But Chinese data, let's start there. What What's kind of caught your eye here uh, this week? I think there's so many drivers right now. And this is and whatever happened to summer doldrums. But uh, right now, what we're seeing is there, there's a, a lot of focal points. One of the biggest ones is China's property markets. And uh, I think the, the big concern is that that uh, could lead to contagion, which could spill over to the domestic economy, which is already very weak. So we we saw uh, that there's, there's a lot of a softness with the data, industrial output, retail sales, um, I, I think you know the, the economic woes are are deepening, um, and and this is what has forced the PBOC you know ready to to lower that one year policy interest rate, and I think the expectations are China's economy is going to need a lot more stimulus and a lot more support. We've been talking about intervention, and it seems like you know Japan what will they do with the yen was going to get all that intervention headlines. Well, uh, last night China told their state banks to escalate their yuan into, into intervention. So you're you're starting to see, um, you know, there, there's there's clearly some nervousness with their senior officials, and and I think you're probably going to see um, that much more support, more stimulus is 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 coming, and and that's I think something that uh, is is hopefully going to um, stabilize um, their 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 prop property market concerns. But I think you know some of the damage has been done, and I think there's there's a lot of traders that are now fearing. We might not get robust growth from China over the next, you know, couple of years. It, it seems that um, sub five percent growth might become what markets are expecting, and if if that's the case, then you know, the global growth outlook is is really going to get chopped down. I think for the next couple of years, which you know is not necessarily a good sign for risky appetite. Sure, no, and that's the thing. As I alluded to a little bit, just the significance of China and 
we we spoke at length about this in a previous podcast episode, just kind of how uh, that change in monetary policy, we talk very heavily on these episodes about how, you know, central bank in England, comparing that to Europe, uh, comparing that to the US and Canada, they all kind of have impacts on one another in terms of how kind of the inner workings of the global economy work. And so this change of pace coming out of China has really kind of taken markets by surprise. Just an anecdotal thing I've noticed is that there's a lot of coverage about China going on right now, whereas, you know, Western news and media doesn't seem to focus very heavily on that. It seems to kind of be the uh, a change of pace in that area right now. Um, do you think do you think that this this change of pace, the, the lots of coverage just shows how seriously impactful this could be? And do you think that that has potential to kind of drag down equity markets in the US and, and perhaps like, you know, the UK and Europe as well? Do you think the equities markets could take a hit from that? The short answer is uh, that could very well be the case. Um, I, I think the, the, the risk right now is that we're, we're, we're going to see a prolonged stagnation. And if the property crisis just does not improve, that's going to put financial stability at risk. Um, China, Chinese investors could, that can sway fixed income markets. And uh, I think that's one of the reasons why we're, we're seeing them. It's like we got a perfect storm for this global bond market sell-off. And then you think that um, if, if, if treasury yields continue to you know, rise, um, that that's going to complicate. It, it's going to make it difficult for uh, global equities, um, specifically for the U.S. The U.S. is it's a complicated beast right now because while we're seeing a lot of optimism here that consumer is still resilient, labor market is slowing down slowly. You're going to get robust growth in the third quarter. You're going to see most likely, you know, improving spending trends, which should really feed into GDP. So it, it looks like you could still see some short-term um, equity strength for for the, the U.S. side of things. But the problem is once, you know, we get beyond that, then, you know, when the consumer has depleted all their COVID savings, which some people are anticipating that could happen in a couple of months, um, the as as uh, loan or student loan debt has to um, be addressed, and people have to start making payments in September, I think the fourth quarter is going to be it's not going to be pretty. So I so I think um, how 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 will stocks react? It's going to be difficult. Um, but I, I think overall, um, U.S. equities still there's a lot of optimism here that uh, soft landing still remains. Now that that is going to be debated um, because. If, if we're growing 5% in the third quarter, and if we, we barely see the unemployment rate tick higher, it looks like the Fed might have to do more work. So, um, you know, the, the end of tightening, which was so happily priced in, um, that might be wrong. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, just going off of that that theme, right, you have growth that has, has certainly occurred this year has been very different than last year. Uh, in, in, you know, the, the business world, the equities world. Uh, but what's also interesting is uh, I've noticed yesterday we had, of course, the meeting minutes at the time of recording this. Yesterday we had meeting minutes that came out, giving us a little bit of an idea for where the Federal Reserve is at with their kind of forward guidance a little bit in their latest meetings. Well, um, one thing that I kind of thought was interesting is that markets, as we've talked about at length in this in this podcast series, is, you know, how 
the the forecasts for further rate hikes uh, are pretty capped. They're pretty limited at this time. There's not really that expectation. You also mentioned that credit card debt is reaching some really, really extreme levels right now, which is, you know, got to be on the radar of, of you know, uh, the committee and that sort of thing. But one thing that's kind of interesting, too, is now this new conversation that seems to be rising is like, OK, that that strength in the U.S. economy, that that growth, you know, we've had uh, even this morning, I think we had um, what is the the Philly index that came out stronger than expected. You know, we've had uh, relatively uh, resilient numbers out of the U.S. economy. And now the question kind of becomes, if they are not going to necessarily raise rates too much higher, are they going to hold those rates for longer, right? That concept of higher for longer is a real thing to markets to pay close attention to. And I think that that could be kind of the next conversation is, you know, as markets now realize, okay, rate hikes are, are you know, perhaps maybe one is, is distinctly possible, but very, you know, kind of debated right now, even if that doesn't happen. The question is, how long do we stay at an elevated rate? And does that have potential to to put some strain on on businesses as, you know, credit card debt stays high and consumers, like you mentioned, potentially run out of spendings and, um, you know, wage growth? Uh, can it keep up with inflation? It's, it's a very tricky puzzle to kind of put together and, and forecast. Of course, that's why, you know, people who even in the industry have been in, in it for a long time, it's very difficult to try and predict where markets are going to go next. And, you know, uh, sometimes it's it's kind of just weighing the cards. So I, I guess question for you on that front, Ed, is you have all these factors. Where do you go if you're trying to be someone who's kind of shorter term in nature, maybe, you know, looking next couple of months? And where do you go if you're looking longer term? Like what are, what are the key drivers? You know, you mentioned, um, you know, third quarter and fourth quarter and, and focusing on that is China a short-term thing that could really make the markets react now, or is it really the Fed? I, I guess best. What's the best way to gauge kind of short-term, mid-term, and long-term uh, where we currently sit? Until we have a firm handle on how bad China's economic slowdown um, will end up being, um, it, it, it's going to be, uh, I think, difficult for global risk appetite to remain healthy. Now. What that will help is with possibly some of the disinflation trends that uh, uh, were emerging. Um, but uh, for you know, going back to the U.S., though, I, I think the Fed minutes and most of the time, I say they're dated. They're you know, we, we typically don't get really that much out of them. But just given the global bond market sell-off, given you know, we we saw two Fed officials favor holding rates, um, but you know, most still see significant upside risks to inflation. That's the key. Um, that's why we're at, you know, what, temper, you know, September as a whole, they locked themselves into that, um, barring any, you know, surprises at Jackson Hole. Um, but, but I think what you're going to see is, you know, the chance that November could be a rate hike is growing. It's not a coin flip yet, but it's getting very close to it. Um, and if you're raising in November, it doesn't seem that you know cutting in January is is, is going to be likely. So 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 I think uh, you know the market is is probably mispriced on when those rate cuts will happen. Um, obviously, you could see that has got pushed back a little bit given this week's movements in, in Treasury yields. But um, I, I think I think that you know investors are, are probably going to you know see that. As as people become a little bit more cautious, I think uh, you know we're 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 looking at 
still, I think that, you know, the dollar, you know, obviously dollars having a little bit of profit taking today, but there's still good reason to anticipate uh, an outperformance between the, the U.S. and the Eurozone. Um, and, and I think that you're, you're probably going to see that, you know, some more uh, short-term dollar strength um, seems like that could happen. I mean, we're, at, we're looking at a 10-year yield at uh, 430 right now. That's, I, you know, if you were to tell me that last week, I would have been, I would have said, no, that's, that's extremely unlikely. Um, and, and, and I think what, what we're, we're going to see is, um, you know, the, the way this trade is evolving is, is, uh, we're, we're, we're probably going to see, I think them a big focal point is going to remain on what are the key inflation area drivers. And, you know, I think for a lot of people, they're going to just, when, when they're becoming unsure on equities, when they're unsure about the, uh, the tech trade, um, you know, I, I mean, would not surprise me if we saw a big focus and shift go back to commodities. I think the oil market is is a fascinating one because um, you're 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 going to see this market's going to remain tight. And um, I think uh, you know if oil had a pullback of what six dollars from the the recent highs, um, and uh, I, I think you're probably going to see that this is a market that uh, should still remain tight. I think people will be buying the dips, so I think oil is still looking like an attractive opportunity um, given how. The, the you know supply and demand drivers um, are currently uh, positioned. Um, so 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 I think I think you you you're going to start to see more volatility. I think fixed income is not going to ease up anytime soon. I think you know treasury auctions are going to be closely watched, and that's something most I think FX traders have not really given too much attention. You know whether how how strong demand is. You know what's the foreign. You know what are foreign buyers doing, um, and and uh, I, mean, I think in the end ultimately. Uh, you know, people people are going to look for what what are the potential big risk events out there. It's like when when's the BLJ going to intervene? Why are they going to step in? We're already at levels where they intervened in September. Um, you know, is, is one fifty the cat the catalyst? Is you know what what and what gets us to one fifty uh, for dollar yen? So um, I, I think you know volatility. You know, the, I think these next you know several weeks are going to be key, and I think um, a lot of uh, for currency traders you have to be prepared because. When do these interventions happen? Well, if you're a central banker or uh, in the Ministry of Finance, you're going to want to take advantage of illiquid times. You're going to want to take advantage when you get more bang for your buck um, on intervening. So, um, you know, if it's a Friday, you know, end of August, um, you know, that's typically a, an attractive time to do it because you catch the market off guard. You can break through some technical levels, let the algos do the rest of the intervening for you. Um, so definitely, I think anticipate um, potentially some excessive volatility, which you know obviously means uh, um, always have a, try to have a good handle on you know how much you're you're looking to uh, or where you're positioning your stop losses and take profits because um, we, we we could see some exaggerated moves. I think um, given given how the market's positioned right now. Very true, and of course, uh, you know Bank of Japan that sort of stuff intervention. Uh, if you've traded or, or watched the yen at any point uh, for an extended period of time, you've probably seen some of the last couple of years, their interventions are, are fast and sudden moves on the yen, uh, which could be very, very, uh, very volatile. And like you said, usually happen kind of early Asian session where, where uh, you know, of course, Japan, their morning time, most, most major uh, central banks kind of make their moves at that time, which happens to be when a lot of the United States, a lot of the UK, a lot of them are, are away from the desk. 
Um, I also wanted to turn to uh, Ed to to Walmart, Target, uh, some of the some of the retail uh, chains putting out their numbers. Of course, Walmart by itself is an indicator, right? We've talked about kind of short term, midterm, that sort of thing. Looking ahead, uh, Walmart is an indicator because it is showing a lot of what consumers are are buying. Retail sales numbers, you know, these sort of things are are powerful uh, in terms of measuring an economy. Well, Walmart reported some some pretty good surprise uh, earnings. Uh, earlier today, and uh, raised their full year targets. Where uh, speaking of Target, the of course competitor to Walmart, uh, had some mixed results, and its outlook was actually slashed. Uh, tell us about Walmart, and and why is it uh, you know meaningful to 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 look at today? I think when you get like these Atlanta GDP you know forecasts, and then uh, you know a lot of times what traders will like to do is. Well, what's corporate America had to say about it? And Walmart, this earnings report, you know, solidifies a view that we have a robust U.S. consumer. Um, yes, they're cautious on U.S. shoppers, but I think overall, um, it, this shows you that the 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 economy, you know, should should definitely be prepared for um, a robust third quarter. I think. Um, you know, given their earnings beats, given their their, their guidance, um, th- th- this is this is very positive. Um, it also shows you that Walmart's they've had strong growth with e-commerce, grocery sales. Um, you know that it, it's it's clearly like an outperformance to Target. Um, I think I think what we're going to see though is overall is that uh, you know, U.S. household budgets are still okay. Um, I think you know obviously. With rising borrowing costs, I think we're going to start to see um, some of these credit card uh, bills are, are going to get very, very ugly very quickly. Um, and then I think the resumption of those student loan repayments, that's the big wild card. We're not sure how the economy is going to react to that or how the house payer, how people are going to go about you know, restarting those payments. So um, I think overall, this was a, a very uh, solid uh, earnings report. Um, and, you know, I, I think, you know, for investors, when you, you know, anticipate that economic, economic slowdown in the U S, uh, Walmart's nicely positioned here to, to, um, form and probably will, um, I think perform better than target or, or the TGX companies. Um, so, so, um, definitely, definitely, um, you know, good news for, um, that particular company, and uh, I think it, it it shows you that uh, um, you know, with a strong labor market, improving wages, you know that, and, and there has been some disinflation process. You know, we're we're, we're still seeing uh, very very strong personal consumption numbers. So that's that's uh, another you know vote of confidence here for the U.S. Thank you for the update there on that, Ed, and everything else. Uh, I want to thank everybody who's listening for supporting the podcast wherever you are. Make sure to subscribe, follow wherever you're listening uh, so that you can tune back in for more episodes in the future. That's going to wrap up what we have here for this week. However, next week, we continue to push on with more important stuff coming out. We have PMIs next week. We also have, as uh, Ed alluded to earlier, Jackson Hole, which all market-moving stuff that we will be back on the podcast Thank you all for tuning in. Ed, thank you very much for joining us today and for all the great updates. My pleasure. Market Insights, the Market Pulse podcast by Oanda.